Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Chris Russell and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Final hour of the big program. Time to talk some college football. Big game on the Team 980, 12 noon on Saturday. Maryland heads to the big house to take on the Michigan Wolverines and to take a look at that game and the college football slate for this week. Pleased to be joined, of course, by my co-host on the It's College Football podcast and man that, like me, will be eating some good Eastern North Carolina barbecue this weekend as the Navy midshipmen travel to East Carolina for a 6 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Joe Miller, good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Hello, Joe. Um, enjoy that bar- <laughs> Hello, Enjoy that barbecue. Uh, and, and, He's and, been talking this barbecue up, so uh, I hope it doesn't disappoint. I mean, you know, listen, I, I can't say it's hard to screw up barbecue. Of course you can. I think you guys will be fine, uh, but the Eastern, <laughs> like the East Carolina barbecue, if I'm not mistaken, right, is more like vinegary, right, as opposed yeah, yeah. to saucy, right? So you yeah, gotta, I guess yeah. you gotta like that texture or that taste, that little tang, if you will, in order to truly enjoy it. You know? Yes, you're you are correct. It's got a little bit of a different kick to it at the end, but I enjoy it, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Joe, Maryland's going to the big house uh, this Saturday, and I think we know what Maryland is. The problem is Michigan has played two football programs in the last two weeks that, quite frankly, shouldn't be playing Division I football. Hawaii and UConn are not Division I football programs, and those are just glorified scrimmages. Do we really know what Michigan and J.J. McCarthy are that Maryland will see coming up here on Saturday? I think you know more about their offense than what you do about their defense. I think coming into the season, you could look at what Michigan lost and you could say, obviously you guys saw with Aiden Hutchinson last week with the Lions, that they probably lost maybe their best five defensive players. And obviously they've recruited well, so you expect some guys to be able to fill in. But I don't know how you know anything about their defense right now. I mean, the three teams they played, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, all, all three in the bottom 12, I believe in total offense in college football right now. So I don't know how you have any clear idea about what they are defensively at this point. Even when you look at the guys who have played, and they've played well so far defensively this season, if you go back to, like, you look at spring depth charts and predictions for this season and who was going to step up, it's not necessarily those guys that have played as well uh, for Michigan. Uh, You know, a guy like Chris Jenkins, who is probably considered a backup, has probably been their their best uh, defensive lineman, Colson. A linebacker's been really good for him. But I, I don't know how you know anything really at this point about what they are defensively. I think offensively, 
you know, they have Blake Corum who can run the football. And obviously McCarthy's run the ball incredibly well on offense so far this season. But even that to, to a degree of what they are offensively, I, I think, you know, they got a healthy Ronnie Bell back. They've hit some big pass plays. But I, I don't know if you have a clear idea of where they're at as a team right now because really they've played maybe – five quarters of football in the 12 that they ever allotted to play so far in the season. Um, they, they've played three really bad teams, arguably three of the worst teams in college football right now. So I, I think there are a lot of questions still surrounding this Michigan team. Two things though, Joe, a, does that sound like a team, even though it's in the big house in Ann Arbor, like that is right possibly for the picking and B as a result, like, I got to be honest, when I got off the air on Saturday night, because I was doing a CBS Sports Radio National show, so I was bouncing around, but I really honed in on the Maryland SMU game, and I know there were turnovers in that game and lots of offense and so on. I was really, really impressed by Maryland's toughness and physicality down the stretch on that big, big, big game-winning drive. Um, to me, they ma- they provided me something that I wasn't sure that they had, and if they can follow that up and take that on the road and grind one out and beat Michigan at the line of scrimmage, you might have an upset here. Yeah, you know, look, I I think going into that game last week between Maryland and SMU, Pete and I talked about it on the podcast, you know, I I thought whoever ran the ball was going to win that game the best uh, because I feel, you know, both teams obviously want to throw the football to the headliners with the quarterbacks, but, you know, both teams, you know, are going to need to cross out some drives in games like that and I thought Hemby was fantastic for Maryland in that game. I, I thought he gave them everything they needed uh, with all the penalties that they had, the mistakes that they had. I mean, they were they didn't play well, and they still won the game against a good opponent. So I think that's that gives you some confidence. And I think you're going to be you're going to have to be able to run the football in the situation uh, in the big house on Saturday afternoon because even though nobody really ran the ball big time on Michigan last season, if you look at the games that they lost in or the games that they were close in, especially the Michigan State game, that was the one game where they kind of got gassed a little bit on the ground. They go early in the season last year against Michigan. You know, the same scenario week four of the season last year. They opened up at home against Rutgers, who was not a very good team, after playing three teams that were kind of iffy. And it was a it was a close game. They won that game 20-13. to 13, And one of the big reasons was Rutgers ran the ball incredibly well and kind of own the football to some extent in that game. And it was just a seven-point game. So I think Maryland's got a shot here. I think, look, you can't make the mistakes that you made against SMU. You can't have multiple 15-yard penalties. You can't have it on a third down and one that sets up a fourth and short and then have a, a penalty that gives you uh, gives your opponent a first down. And, look, um, as much as uh, Tonga Vailoa has played well, he has, but in these big games he's had some issues. And it's a big test for him. Uh, to go against Michigan in this scenario, in this setting, because I think uh, Michigan knows that everybody's sort of looking at them and with one eye open and saying, well, who have you really played? Here's a chance for them to sort of prove some things early in this season as well. But, I, you know, look, if Maryland can score some points, and I think they can, I don't think this is a Michigan defense that is right now what they were last season. So I would expect them to be able to score some points in this game. And, yeah, they've got a shot, but they got to limit the mistakes and the, the, the miscues that they had last week. Uh, it nearly cost them uh, against SNU. When you look at the J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara soap opera, look, Harbaugh played this perfectly. He played McCarthy against the two worst possible teams that you could play him against. 
so he would look as good as he did in those games. But, Joe, I think, quite frankly, McCarthy's the more talented guy, and that that's the guy that should be playing quarterback for Michigan, should it not? Well, here's the other side of it, Pete. Tate McNamara led a team to uh, I know, a place that they had never I know. Been. We had this and, discussion. I mean, he's like he's like Michigan's version of Stetson Bennett. And look, I, and I would I would argue that look, there's two sides of this. Look, the, the recruiting rankings, whatever you want to make of it, are obviously pushing the narrative here uh, of McCarthy to some extent. Has he looked good this season? Yes, but I would argue that pretty much anybody would look good at this point in the season playing quarterback uh, for Michigan. And I understand, like, you can't really play better than what he has. He's only got four incompletions on the season in 34 attempts. He's thrown for 473 yards. He's only thrown it 11 times per game. So it's not like he's, you know, you know going back there to throw it 25 times a game. And, you know, I think, you know, as I told you on the, on the, on the podcast, I think McNamara was kind of set up. Uh, to fail in this situation. I mean, it, it was going to be tough for him, and now, look, he's banged up. There's an injury there. Uh, so that, that kind of, you know, isn't even part of the discussion at this point. But, um, you know, I, I think McCarthy has some natural talent. Obviously, you see that out there when he plays. But has he been in a situation like this before? The answer is no, not yet. And so for him, this is a test, and, you know, he's got to step up and and and, and really perform – as a starter in a situation like this, uh, in front of his home crowd for the first time against an opponent that can that can fight back a little bit. So um, obviously they're going to find out more about what he is as a quarterback. But you could tell even last year when McNamara was having the success that there was still a a, a, a strong kinship between quarterback and uh, excuse me between backup quarterback and head coach. There was always. A, a wondering eye to get him on the field, and obviously they got him on the field, and he's played well at this point, but I don't think this story is going away. Joe Miller, of course, Pete's partner on the Navy broadcast. Uh, of course, Navy coming up at East Carolina on Saturday, also the co-host of the It's College Football uh, podcast. Follow them on Twitter, uh, Joe at J-O-M-I-L-M-I-L, and as well, It's College FB for the podcast. All right, moving off of Michigan, Maryland, um, I-, I wanted to get your thoughts. I, I assume you've seen it. Uh, I think a lot of people saw it. I was going kind of crazy. NBC, the Notre Dame Broadcasting company did a good job uh, with it on Saturday. The Cal Notre Dame game. Now Notre Dame wins by seven, but they get a huge break in that it was kind of similar to the Giants and the Redskins last or Washington football team last year in week two, where they call an offsides on Cal, and there was no offsides. And NBC, <laughs> as biased as they are towards Notre Dame, they're like, "No, look here, there's no penalty. We can't find anything." And of course, Notre Dame. Missed the field goal, but gets a second shot at it. And two plays later, they score a touchdown and they win by just that that margin. What did you make out of that? And how fortunate is Notre Dame not to be zero and three? Chris, I mean, I I, I think they're really fortunate. Um, look, there was some there it was that call that you know there was the end of the Syracuse Purdue game this week that had some interesting calls. Uh, that was obviously an interesting call in that. And look, you're going to have that to some extent, but. I was really surprised. Look, I, uh, Pete will tell you this. When we talked about Notre Dame in the beginning of the season, I was blown away that they were ranked fifth in the country coming in right. uh, because they had so many questions about what they were offensively. Uh, and they lost their top receiver as well. There was questions about who was going to be the running back. Uh, obviously, the, they've had Buckner go down as the quarterback. Um, 
offensively, they're just trying to find themselves right now. I mean, Tommy Reese, who's their offensive coordinator, uh, was part of Brian Kelly's staff there at Notre Dame. Um, but, look, I, I think there is, there's going to be a transition from, as an offensive coach, even though you have somebody else calling the play and, and has the, 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 the title of offensive coordinator, there is going to be a heavy influence when the head coach is an offensive guy. Even though Tommy Reese is calling the plays, there's, a, there's, there's that voice in the back of your head all the time about what you should do here in this situation and probably some heavy influence of what you want to do as, a, as, as your game plan. And for Tommy Reese, it was you know, all on his own this season. And I think offensively, he's been a little hamstrung about what they are as an offensive unit. And they just, even against Cal, who's a good defensive team, I'm, you know, don't put Cal, you know, they're not a great offensive team, but they've been traditionally a very good defensive team over the last couple of years. Um, you know, it was just, you know, it, it was a struggle for them to move the football at times. And I think when you look at this team overall, as you go forward on this season, uh, they got to have some patience because they go to Carolina this week, who's arguably playing as good of football on the offensive side of the football field as anybody. You know, if Notre Dame doesn't put up 30 points this week against Carolina, then I think you can start to sound more alarm bells because Carolina has been really poor defensively so far this season. Then they get BYU. Um, so it, it doesn't get easy for them in the next couple of weeks. And obviously later in the season, they have Clemson and, and USC as well. So um, yeah, it's a real struggle for them. And I, I, I felt like they were probably overhyped and a little bit overrated this year coming into the season. But I didn't think they would be struggling this much on the offensive side of the football field through three games. And, look, there's, not, there's an outside shot that a couple weeks from now you're looking at a team that is one in four and trying to figure themselves out in the middle of the season. And, um, and, and they've, got, they've got a ways to go. Which SEC game intrigues you more, Florida-Tennessee, where Tennessee surprisingly is a 10.5-point favorite, or Chris's Arkansas Razorbacks heading to College Station – to take on Texas A&M, who, like Notre Dame, has had issues trying to find what to do offensively. Yeah, I, I'm kind of a little bit more intrigued by the Florida. It's got a little bit more sizzle to me, Florida, Tennessee, uh, than Arkansas, Texas A&M, which I think will be a battle. Obviously, both teams, you know, Arkansas got the scare last week. Is that your traditional kind of look-ahead game where they get scared and then they come back against Texas A&M, who, who – sort of throttled down to beat Miami and, and at the end of the day maybe knew that they didn't really have to be explosive to beat Miami. But I think Florida, Tennessee, just from the perspective of, like, we have this ongoing conversation about Anthony Richardson and what he, after one week and the, the, all the, 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 the accolades that it was being thrown towards him, Heisman Trophy guy, and he's really struggled the last couple of weeks and really made some poor passes. And I think that's why you see the line at where it is right now. And then you look at Tennessee at this point so far in the season, and offensively, you know, they haven't really missed a beat. You know, they, they're scoring 52 points per game. Granted, it, you know, a couple games against Mac opponents, but they did go to Pitt and win that game uh, late in that contest. And um, defensively, they have uh, seemed like they have a little bit more bite this year. So I think for Tennessee, it's always been, Pete, you know, you get close to that level where you can say Tennessee's back, you know, they've gotten to there a couple times. It's always been close for them, but these next three games for them, because when you look at the schedule, they have Florida, they go to LSU and they get Bama. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a break in there, but they're, but those are their next three games that will define their season. 
and it starts this week. So I think the Tennessee-Florida game is a little bit more appealing to me because there's a little bit more sizzle there. And really, I talked about this at the beginning of the season. Like, I didn't know if Hendon Hooker could play much better than he did last season. I mean, this is a Tennessee offense that averaged nearly 40 points per game, and Hooker, who didn't get the accolades that he probably should have got, threw 31 touchdowns and three interceptions last year. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And so far this season, you look at his numbers and his ratings and his yards per game, they're basically right at what he was last year and maybe even a little bit more improved when you look at the yards per game. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's got six touchdowns. I mean, this is a guy that was kind of just kind of left out there hanging after Virginia Tech, and he has had back-to-back amazing years. And so I'm interested to see if he can continue down that road because it's a it's a tremendous story, and um, they're really putting something together right now on the offensive side of the football field in Tennessee. And if it, it continues on the defensive side, uh, I don't know if they're as good as Georgia, obviously, in the SEC East, but uh, they're going to be a factor. Can Wisconsin slow down Ohio State and C.J. Stroud and <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. seems to have like 4,000 touchdowns already on the young season? It's, it's not going to be easy, Chris. I mean, can they slow them down? Yeah, they can slow them down. But you look at the numbers so far for Wisconsin, it's not bad, but it's almost to me you would expect them to be a little bit better um, uh, so far this season on the defensive side of the football field. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, they, they haven't played the, the greatest level of competition. Obviously, they lost to Washington State there. And I, I just think sometimes, Chris, Ohio State, it, it's not every game. We saw it the week one, you know, kind of a little bit of a struggle against. But when they get going, when they get in a rhythm, they're one of the best teams. And I think it's also when Ryan Day gets in a rhythm and the offense just gets cooking like they're one of the teams that could score on seven straight possessions without any trouble right and there's not many teams out there that uh, like when you look at them you go hey even if they you know first and 15 they're not panicking they're not changing what they're doing they're so explosive that I I don't think anything really phases them uh to this point of the season they're also running the ball incredibly well uh so far this season that's going to be if they run the ball against Wisconsin here uh, as well as they've done in, in some of the previous games you look at it and you go, wow, uh, this could be something special. But, I, I, look, I love C.J. Stroud. I, you know, the, the guy has had a couple rough games every now and then. He always bounces back with another big one right after it. And like I said before, they're, they're the offense that I look at in college football right now and, and, and say, like, that's the best offense out there. You know, Georgia's the best defense. Ohio State's the best offense. Uh, and they'll probably meet at some point for the season. <laughs> you know, one of the, the, the things that continue to crop up and, and hamper the Pac-12, playing some of its best football in quite some time from a depth of league standpoint, you've got Michael Penix coming from Indiana and resurrecting his career at Washington. He's looked amazing. But, Joe, the best game this week, half the country, in fact, 75% of the country is probably not going to see it. USC and Oregon State on the Pac-12 network – that's going to be a ridiculous football game in Corvallis coming up this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. I, I've called Oregon State sort of the mini or the uh, the the lesser version of Utah because I think they're similar in what they want to do offensively. They want to be balanced. You know, they don't want to necessarily throw the ball sixty times. They want to run the football. That environment in Corvallis is not going to be easy for USC, and it's a it's a test for USC because I think from you know you could certainly probably make an argument out there if you're listening to what I just said about Ohio State offense being the best in the country, I think you could make an argument that USC is right there. 
But I, I still think that there's some issues on the offensive line. Caleb Williams, who's been almost perfect so far in the season, you can't really have a ton of criticism for him. Uh, but I think he does at times hold on to the ball, tries to make too many big plays. And, I, and I've given you the stat before. I think the weird thing to me is they, they, they run, like I think it was like 22% of their passes have been screen passes this year. Uh, so far this season, that's a weird stat to me. That's almost like you're trying to, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get it what they're, cause he, he can throw the football downfield. He struggled at times, maybe doing that. I think he's a great player. I think they maybe need to unleash him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that to me, because you look at what Oregon state is as a team, as we talked about, like, I don't think they're going to wow you with any necessarily, like you don't look at their team and go, Hey, there's uh there's four, uh, NFL draft picks on their, you know, on their defensive side of the football. The numbers don't necessarily um, wow you, uh, but I, I think they just play really good, solid team defense. And in that environment, uh, I think they'll give, they'll push them back a little bit. Um, but I thought Fresno would do it last week, and and USC before Hainer went out really controlled that game. So uh, yeah, and it's a shame. Look, I think the Pac-12 is one of the early season stories that the improvement there of some talented teams there like that we're not talking about, like Washington and, and obviously Oregon bouncing back after the Georgia game. Uh, there's some good teams in the Pac-12, uh, and, it, yeah, it, it's, it's not great that we don't get to see these matchups. All right, Joe, last one. Tomorrow night, Lane Stadium in Blacksburg will be rocking, of course, primetime. I can't figure this one out, right, because Virginia Tech doesn't score a whole lot of points. We know they're going to be better yeah. on defense with Brent Pride, all that. They bounce back after the old Dominion loss when they threw up all over themselves. But West Virginia goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in that great backyard brawl game in primetime against Pitt, loses, and then they give up 55 points to Kansas. And I know Kansas is, you know, with Leopold is reborn and they score a ton, and I got it. But, I mean, come on, 55 points to Kansas – they did win last week, and they did were better defensively, but it was Towson. What in the world do you expect tomorrow night? Yeah, I think, look, this is sort of like the traditional Thursday night. Virginia Tech sort of grew that game when, you know, Thursday night football was reserved for the college game, so it's kind of cool. little throwback for uh, Virginia Tech to have a Thursday night game. But Grant Wells hasn't thrown an interception since week one. That's been big. As you mentioned, like offensively, there, I, I don't know – when you look at Virginia Tech, you know, like who's the playmaker that they go to? Like who's the who's the guy that when they need a play, they they find that guy. But the defense has been much better. West Virginia, I was going over their number. It's a weird team to figure out. You know, they were coming in the season, they lost a lot of people on their back seven defensively, and they were trying to uh, plug and play with a lot of guys out of the portal to try to figure out what they are defensively. And the numbers on defense aren't as bad as maybe you would expect for a team that gave up 38 and 55 their first two games. They get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they, get, you know, they can cause some issues in that way. Run defense has actually been uh, pretty solid for the most part this season. They're only giving up 3.3 yards per attempt. And you kind of look at the numbers and you go, well, why have they struggled as much as they've struggled so far this season? And I think you look at the fact that they've only caused two turnovers so far this season. You know, that, that's a part of it. When you look um, at what they've done defensively on third down, it, it hasn't been great at times. But I, they're a hard team to figure. Uh, even in the first half last week against Towson, it was a little bit of a struggle for them. But I think you look at Virginia Tech and what they've been able to do defensively, and you got to give them a little bit of an edge there. But I would be concerned because West Virginia, when you look at their numbers, have probably played better than what their record 
would indicate. So I think it's going to be a closer game than maybe some people anticipate. Did we did we expect too much from Grant Wells, and are we encouraged by the way he's played in the last two games without turning the football over that maybe he's kind of gotten a little more comfortable there in the new surroundings? Well, I think there's probably uh, – there's part of that, no doubt, Pete. I mean, I, I – look, I, I, we saw Grant Wells in person. I told you before the game uh, last season, like, I think he's a good quarterback. Like, I, I know, like, you're going to have the issues – like, as I, I think we talked about last year, you know, he's got a little Brett Favre in him. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, he's going to take some chances. He's going to make some plays. Uh, and he's going to make some mistakes. So, can you, can you teach him out of that? Can you turn that around? Can you refocus that into the positive? And I thought they looked great against Boston College. I know it wasn't like, you know, it was 27-10, I think the score was. It wasn't like a crate. You know, they didn't put up 45 points or anything like that. And he didn't throw for 360 or anything. But I just thought the offense as a whole looked much better. Now, I didn't get to see much of their game against Wofford. It started at 11 a.m. You know, uh, he put it, the numbers that he put up was great. Um, I just – he's going to have to do a lot because I just don't know who the go-to receiver is, who the, you know, who the go-to running – who's the playmaker on that. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, but I, I, I think he's got a lot of talent. I do. I mean, he, he's got the arm talent. He's got the moxie, if you will. Um, and I like the way he plays. You just gotta, you gotta figure out that interception thing. But we probably said that about a hundred quarterbacks over the last twenty, thirty years, and maybe I don't know, twenty percent of them have figured out the interception right. thing. So it's not an easy thing to figure out. But um, he and he can also run for you, and I think that's an added bonus that not a lot of people talk about with him as a quarterback. Appreciate it as always, pal. We'll see you for some Eastern North Carolina barbecue coming up this weekend, man. Thanks, Joe. All right, guys. Take care. Appreciate you got it. it. Joe Miller joining us here as uh, we get the college football week, and we'll have Joe on a lot to preview college football uh, on a weekly basis because we want to talk more college football and certainly Maryland with a gigantic game. 12 noon Saturday, you're going to catch it right here on the Team 980 as they take on the Michigan Wolverines. want to get Chris's opinion on an age-old debate that comes up in every sport, and certainly over the next uh, month, it's going to be uh, all the rage in terms of how people vote. We'll do that next. Plus, his dumb dumb of the day standing by right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. A lot of pennant races are over in baseball, so that's not, you know, even the wild card races are going to need a miracle to get, you know, really some significant contention here over the last couple of weeks of the season. American League Central, Guardians could be caught conceivably by the math, but it looks as if we got an idea of who the the suitors are going to be for postseason play. But in terms of postseason awards... One of the more intriguing debates of all time that I can ever remember in terms of postseason awards is this Otani judge debate on the American League side. There are people that are passionate about both. But Chris, I ask you, the the great the the best player on the the one of the top teams who's literally at times had to carry his team because of all the injuries they've suffered at times including, you know, one of his heavy hitters in the lineup with him and Giancarlo Stanton, who's missed time, or the guy that has the ability to be a Cy Young-type pitcher and also play the game in a way that we don't see. Because, yes, he plays every day. He's the only pitcher that plays every day because of his ability, obviously, to uh, hit the baseball uh, as an outfielder or designated hitter when he's not pitching. Yeah, so normally I would always Whose team say, sucks, by the right, way. Right, and, and and that's part of the problem here, right? It is MVP is never about just individual player versus individual player, right? It, there's always the human context, always the human factor, and the team does factor in, in most cases, team success, team failure – does and should, in my opinion, factor in even though it's quote-unquote most valuable player. Shohei Otani, I would almost always take two for one, right? Shohei Otani's awesome. I mean, as long as he stays healthy, which he's been able to do for the most part over the last couple of years, obviously to do what he does both from a pitching perspective and a hitting perspective, I can give you every number, every stat, every this, every that. The bottom line is, is he's awesome, 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 awesome. He's just terrific. But to your point, he plays for a lousy organization, a lousy team, a team that's already been eliminated from the playoffs. Not his fault by any means. And Aaron Judge is at times basically carrying, like you said, the New York Yankees. And oh, by the way, if Aaron Judge is going to wind up winning the Triple Crown, and what is he like a point? I think he's like just shy in the batting average category. If uh, memory serves me correct, Pete. I he Which obviously for power hit, hitters in our game right, right now is extraordinary. Right. He he. I mean, he hit home run number sixty 
last night. Now, whatever you think of Barry Bonds and what, he, uh, look, he's not going to get he's not going to get into the seventies. I don't think. Whatever you think of that, Aaron Judge just had an unfreaking believable year. Like you talk about Lamar Jackson all the time gambling on himself. Guess who gambled on himself? Right? Who gambled on himself bigger than Aaron Judge? Yeah. I mean, how much money is Aaron Judge going to make from the Yankees or some desperate organization that's looking to make a gigantic splash? Who is going to make more money than Aaron Judge? I mean, he's easily, I would think, going to top Trout's 460, what is it, Trout's 460, 465, somewhere in that range, right? I mean, we talk about Juan Soto at one point wanting, you know, 500, 550, 600, whatever. I, I, look, I don't know if Aaron Judge is going to get, you know, more than 500, but he's he's going to get 475. He's going to get 475. And by all accounts, he deserves So to me, like, the fact that the Yankees have struggled in the second half of the season – uh, the fact that certainly Giancarlo Stanton hasn't been the factor that it, all all sorts of things weighed into it. With Judge, even if he doesn't win the Triple Crown, whatever. Even if he doesn't get to 70 home runs, whatever. I, I just, unfortunately, I've got to penalize Shohei Otani a little bit for the situation that he's in. It's not his fault. i got to penalize him a little bit. For that and 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 because of the individual brilliance and the better team execution, hook or crook of the Yankees and Aaron Judge, I go with him. I mean, I, I just you think again. Or? No, I, I'm I I am again. I'm a player that is helping my team win, and we're in first place. To me, that's an even more you know, a more valuable player in this discussion. Yes, are we talking? If we're talking about the most talented player because of Otani's ability to pitch as well as hit, yeah, you know, we can have that debate. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, when you look at the the hitting stats, you know, batting average not even close. It's Judge three sixteen to two sixty eight home runs sixty to thirty four. They're only separated by twenty. Eight plate appearances. Right. Okay. So it's not as if Otani hasn't had, you know, enough at bats. I mean, hits. Judge has 25 more. He's got 25 more hits. He's got 26 more home runs. He's got 28 and 11. It's 39 more RBIs, five more stolen bases. His, like I said, the batting average is not even close. O- on base percentage, not even close. Slugging, not even close. OPS, not even close. Not even close. Judge is 1.123 OPS to Otani's 0.891. Now, yes, again, we can talk about if we want to say the more talented player because of Otani's ability to go to the mound and throw 100 miles an hour. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. But in terms of value to his team, most valuable player – in the American League, it's not even close. It's 99 in a landslide. A landslide. And we don't have to go to Georgia to start looking for votes. We don't need people to start looking at ballots and recounting. No, we don't need it. It's it's a landslide in favor of Aaron Judge, in my mind, in that category. Because most valuable is different from most talented. What, what Otani's doing is extraordinary because of his ability to do both. Right. 
but it's not valuable because his team is in last place. And oh, by the way, Otani's got Mike Trout on his team. And they're still a, a last place type ball club, even though Oakland is in last place. But I mean, the Angels are 900 games behind the Astros. I mean, the Angels were like 15 games over 500 in early May, and then the, the and it was before Trout got hurt. The absolute, you know what, hit the fan. They were neck and neck with Houston. Uh, I'll never forget it. Houston was here because I was broadcasting that series with Charlie. And Houston was here, and, and the Angels were right there. They were tied in the loss column, and then boom, uh, a month later, race is over. It's done. Goodbye. Astros pulling away. Dusty Baker. That, that's going to be a fascinating – I imagine Dusty's got to be – uh, American League Manager of the Year. I mean, Tito Francona in Cleveland could get some votes. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Brandon Hyde in Baltimore going to get a ton of votes. So it's probably Hyde because of the, if the Orioles, especially if they don't collapse here and still finish over 500, it's probably mm-hmm. Hyde. Probably should be Hyde. But Dusty Baker deserves an awful lot of credit uh, for the way that Astros team has played as well. So if you get an MVP vote, Judge or Otani? Oh, I'm going Judge. Aaron Judge, absolutely. It's a landslide here in this room. I know that. Final trending of the day, followed by Chris's Dumb Dumb of the Day right here on the Team 980. All right, the commander's about to hit the practice field for the first of three tune-ups for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon at 1. We, of course, have extensive game day coverage starting at 9 a.m. here on the Team 980. Doc Walker and a host of thousands involved. I'll be at FedEx Field. Uh, keeping you up to date on CBS Sports Radio and more post-game, pre-game. We've got you in-game. We've got you covered. Uh, the Commanders, again, getting ready to take that practice field at the newly named Ortho, Virginia Training Center at Commanders Park, first reported by SBJ, Sports Business Journal. That's right. Ortho, Virginia Training Center at Commanders Park is the name of the new team facility in Ashburn. Meanwhile, uh, the team did sign Nick Martin, veteran center, who has bounced around between the Houston Texans, the Las Vegas Raiders, this training camp, and preseason in New Orleans. Uh, they've signed him to help replace Chase Roulier. They also brought back Donovan Jeter to the practice squad. He played and made his commander's debut, put Nolan Laufenberg on the reserve practice squad. Nats and the Atlanta Braves coming up today in Hotlanta, and Joe Brahaden, this just in, will sign a one-day contract, D.C. native, uh, to retire with the Cleveland Browns, also spend time with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's what's trending. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
Absolute legends warming up in the bullpen right now. We've got Rich Gossage and Raleigh Fingers. We've got Trevor Hoffman and Eric Gagne. Wow, Mariano Rivera and Greg Olson. Doc Walker and Scott Jackson. Scott Jackson and I were a legendary morning team in Norfolk, Virginia. And then Scott decided to go even bigger. Were you legends in your own mind, or did people actually think you were legendary? No, people enjoy people. Look, we used to do remotes all the time. Yep. We used to we used to have a great time. You know, we used to go down to CP Shuckers on Monday nights, do a Monday night football show. Um, you know, they they tried to kill us by the very look early in the show. We go on the air at seven o'clock after the legend Tony Mercurio, and the first night these they put these glasses in front of us, and I and it it's. You know, I'm thinking it's water, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, we're 10 minutes into the show, and these Matt and Mark, the two brothers that own the place, were giving uh, Jackson and I shots of Jägermeister. I thought it was water. So, of course, I pick it up, and I'm like, whoa! Wait, Talk about burn, Wait, baby, so you burn. had no idea it was Jägermeister? No idea it was Jäger. Oh, my gosh. No idea it was Jäger. Because, because Jäger is clear, so it looks... right. Okay. And, and I'm not. I'm look. I'm. I'm. I'm You're not I, a. Drinker. I'm not. A, I'm not an alcohol drinker. So. So you didn't smell it or anything before you downed it. No, I just picked it up, took a drink. I was like, "Whoa, hello!" It was like somebody took a match and threw it down my throat. It was beautiful, but I was like, "Fellas, fellas, you got to wait till after the show." Scott and I still got another hour and a half to navigate here <laughs> before Monday Night Football would come on. But that was those were some legendary times. We had a great time. You have to. You know, it, those those types of days, man, it was great. It was a great market, you know, for uh, college sports. We could talk, obviously, for Scott and I, it was great because we could talk about Washington and everything like that. So we had a good time uh, with that. The one thing about it, neither one of us, when we were in Norfolk, would have qualified to be the Dumb Dumb of the Day. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day on Russell and Medhurst. All right. Once again... Unfortunately, I'm sad to disappoint Dateline, Florida. This one sent to me by my pal uh, at Boston DG, uh, who uh, always does a great job for us. We appreciate uh, him and um, always helpful. So imagine Friday night, you say, I don't feel like cooking. We're going to order Chinese food, right? Great choice. Chinese food is awesome. Orange chicken and fried rice. Thank you. I don't know if I would go the orange chicken. It's got a weird flavor to me, but that's okay. You you do you, Pete. So imagine doing the takeout Chinese food thing and wind up winding up with criminal charges being presented against you, a 51-year-old man. You're 52, right? I'm now 49. Mm. You, a 59-year-old man. And your daughter. Atlantis is her name. So here's what happened. Her name is Atlantis? Yes. Here's what happened. Mm. See, Bruce Shell, 51, and daughter Atlantis got into a battle with, you guessed it, her brother and his son Uh-oh. over Chinese food. They ordered Chinese food according to the arrest report. They ordered Chinese food, but the takeout containers were not labeled. 
<laughs> which sent Shell, the 51-year-old, into a tizzy because he, quote, didn't know which container of food was his. So according to the police report, the son said that he argued with his father and sister over the Chinese food, and due to the fact that the victim, the son, had eaten the father's food unknowingly, the dispute turned violent, and his sister, again, the sister of the victim, began punching him in the face. And then Daddy Warbucks joined in the fracas, and guess what he did? What did he do, Chris? He didn't put his son in the camel clutch. No, no, no. But he did put him in a chokehold. Presumably <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter style. He should have found some powder like Mr. Fuji and throw powder in their face. Yes. So then it, there's just one more layer to this if you want another layer. Do you want another layer? Another layer yeah. of orange chicken sauce, please. <laughs> and this is all from the smoking gun and from our guy at Boston DG. Mommy was home, too. <laughs> Mommy was in her bedroom already when she heard crashing and yelling in the kitchen area. <laughs> to which she said, hmm, something doesn't sound right. So she walked into the kitchen, and as the story says, she saw 25-year-old Atlantis, 25, not, not 14, 25-year-old Atlantis, quote, pummeling the victim. Her brother! <laughs> and being choked by 51-year-old Shell, his dad, her husband, over Chinese food. And that's when she decided to call 911, leaving Shell and Atlantis, again, 51 and 25 respectively, arrested with misdemeanor battery charges. And Shell, the 51-year-old father, also charged with domestic battery via strangulation, which is a felony. He stole my fortune cookie! How ridiculous <laughs> is that? Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum of the day. I want some more Peking duck. <laughs> right now. Bring it to me. I mean, like... I could see where it would be annoying. You know, some a lot of places don't like writing a marker, a Sharpie marker, what it is. So you kind of have to guess, <laughs> right, and whatever. And maybe like a mistake was made, you know, and the kid just <laughs> ate something that he shouldn't have ate. Uh, whatever. I mean, what in God's name would, would cause you to be that upset to brawl and to punch and to choke your own sibling. Now, I don't know what the relationship is between these people, but my goodness. Well, they obviously right. ordered Chinese together. Yeah. So they, it couldn't have been that bad leading right? up to it. And she's 25. I don't know how old the kid, the victim is. Uh, it doesn't say, uh, unless I'm missing it. But my goodness. It took my soy sauce. I mean, a 25 and a 51-year-old, how could you be that angry over stupid Chinese food? Time to finish things up here on a Wednesday. It's time for the guys to give their closing arguments and hit the shower. Let's hear that final take. Now that he's made it public, shout out to one of our great listeners, Willis Streets, who had a little uh, significant surgical procedure yesterday. No one supports Chris and I greater than Willis and his wife, Gigi. And we are thinking about Willis as he recovers now. And, um, you know, th these types of things, this wasn't just, you know, any type of surgery. I'm not going to go into the details just to protect their privacy, but... Uh, glad things went well for our guy Willis 
And uh, we're pulling for you, big fella, because we know when we're out there, we know Willis is absolutely behind us, hook, line, and sinker. Absolutely. Uh, I can't do any better than that. I'm going to just leave it at that. Willis, we love you, man. Uh, Gigi as well. Wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, and uh, not just for the support of the show and all that, just wonderful people, period. This just in, the NFL upholding Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans' suspension. He will miss Sunday's game versus the Packers. Stay tuned. Doc and Scott are next. Burgundy and gold today right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.